Good morning, this is John Murtha with 89.1 FM Radio coming to you from Lorain, Ohio. I'm in the station this morning with our station engineer and owner, Mark Ballard. Hi, Mark. Hello, John. And my assistant, David Abood. Hi, David. Good morning, John. Good to be here. Good to be here. In this beautiful autumn morning, we're very happy that you've tuned in and are listening to us today. Uh, this, what is it, second day of December as yes. we're heading towards yeah. our Christmas. It's coming. And the end of the year. Right. And next week, well, last week we had a very special guest on uh, regarding the Shroud of Turin and a mm -hmm. great discussion. And next week, hopefully, we'll have Mike Shinnigo back on the show. And you remember him, David. He's the expert. Yes. On apologetics, explaining oh, yeah. the Bible, defending the Bible, right. manuscripts, can we trust them, New Testament comparison, Old Testament. So we look forward to having Michael here with us next week. But today I wanted us to continue our discussion and study of the Trinity. And uh, actually, you know, we were talking about this, David, but yeah. we could go on with this because it's such a deep topic in the Old Testament and the New Testament. And some people really can have a difficult time <clears throat> grasping it. But, you know, I was thinking we are human beings with finite minds, and we're trying to deal uh, with the attributes and character of an infinite God. So it's not surprising that we might not be totally 100% understandable <laughs> on this 1 plus 1 equals 2 kind of a thing. Yeah. But what we like in our, in our scientific age. But does God reveal it to us? That's the key here. Yes. Not that do we fully understand it, but does God fully reveal it? Because there's many things in the scripture, there's many things in life that we cannot fully understand but are true. For example, it says in the book of Hebrews, by faith. We understand that God formed the universe by his word. Uh, by faith, we understand that we have a soul. Now, we might not have ever seen our soul, certainly, but by faith, the Bible tells us what should it profit a man if he gained the whole world but lose his soul, that we have a very valuable yes. uh, yeah. personal possession, i.e. our soul. So what I'm saying is, what does the scripture say? As we start looking into the scripture, I believe our understanding of the mystery of the Trinity becomes clear and clearer. Uh, I don't think on this side of eternity, uh, before we get to heaven, we can fully understand it, but I do think that the scriptures explain it. Yes, uh, I agree, Jen, and you know, one of the things that um, I've been looking at is um, some of the folks that are, you know, that we have talked to in the past, you know, they brought up to me that, you know, possibly the Trinity, uh, you know, is a problem in the sense that, you know, it's very challenging to understand it. It's hard to connect all the dots. But, you know, I would like to argue that it's really the solution. And, you know, from my perspective, is I've been starting to really uh, dive into the scripture. And for these shows, especially as we prep, you start to realize that the Trinity ties it all together beautifully. So it's the solution. It's actually not problematic in the sense, at least in my mind, that it's creating a lot of questions about what we're reading. So, yeah, you bring up a, a good point here, David. That, and it forces us once again to get back into the Word of God. Yes. You know, and yeah. and that's something all of us as believers should be doing. And, you know, as we approach Christmas, and of course, the incarnation. It says in John chapter one, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Well, we see a couple of very significant things here. Number one, uh, in the beginning, we see the Word. It's with God. God is singular. But the word, there seems to be a separation or distinction here between these two entities. And the word, it says, was God. So word equals God, but word is with God. So, And then as you go down into the Gospel of John chapter 1, it says, The word became flesh 
and dwelt among us. Incarnation, which we're going to celebrate, of course, at Christmas. And I've talked to some people, they go, well, the word Trinity is not in the Bible. Do you ever hear this say, well, oh, the yeah. word incarnation yeah. is not in the Bible. The word Bible is not in the Bible. The word atonement, um, the word we know that God is um, uh, omnipresent, but that, that doesn't have that specific word. Uh, but the Bible clearly declares that God is everywhere, so he's omnipresent. The word rapture is not in the Bible. The word millennium, although you see a reference to a thousand years here and there in the Bible. So what I'm getting at, because the specific word, the key is, is that truth, is that doctrine uh, throughout the scripture. Yeah. And, you know, I'd like to read something, John, that I wrote down from the research uh, for the show today. Some would say that the Bible presents an irreconcilable dilemma. Both the Old and New Testament declare that there is only one God. Verses like Deuteronomy 6.4, Isaiah 43.10, James 2.19, uh, Timothy 1. Make it rather clear, the writers of Jewish and Christian scripture proclaim the existence of a single solitary God. While this is the consistent message of the Bible, another thorny truth is also proclaimed. The Bible teaches that God the Father... Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit are all God. Mm -hmm. Singular. Yeah. So Trinity is tri is three. Yeah. N-I-T-Y or unity. So you have the three in one. One God uh, eternally revealed in three distinct persons. Right. The Father, Son, the Holy Spirit. And again, we see this in the scripture, even at the baptism of our Lord, you know, where the Father, Jesus is being baptized, the Holy Spirit descends upon him. And Jesus will use that as he commissions his apostles in Matthew 28. Go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name, singular, mm -hmm. of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And so we kind of yeah. track that through. And you'll see that even at the beginning of the, of the Bible when God says, let us, let us, plural, make man in our image. And later he'll say, in, in his image, singular, he made them. So some people have a difficult time because you have to compare Scripture with Scripture. And as Paul says, what is the whole counsel of God? Or in other words, what's the whole sweep of the message uh, presenting to us regarding God? Yeah. So, uh, I mean, since it is nearing Christmas, and this is often quoted in Christmas cards in Isaiah chapter 9, but it says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. And so here we see the humanity of Jesus, a child is born, but we see his internality. A son is given. Well, Jesus was with the Father before the foundation of time. He'll say that in John chapter 17. And his government shall be upon his shoulder. In other words, he's the king of kings. He's gonna, uh, he was declared to be a king even at his birth by Gentile wise men. His name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God. How are you going to call somebody that's born in this world a mighty God? Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And so here we start seeing these attributes of God being applied to this one that's going to enter into the human situation, this one born of a virgin. So again, we see as we start unfolding uh, the principle of the Trinity, uh, you see these things. And you have the Isaiah 48. It's a very interesting passage yes, if you look I have at it that. Up, John. Uh, Isaiah 48, 16, uh, when I read 16 through 18. Good. Come near to me, hear this. I have not spoken in secret from the beginning, from the time that it was, I was there. And now the Lord God and his Spirit have sent me. Thus says the Lord, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, I am the Lord your God, who teaches you to profit, 
who leads you by the way you should go. Okay, thanks, David. Yeah. So here God is speaking. He says, come near to me, hear this. I have not spoken in secret from the beginning. In other words, from the beginning of time, or revealed time. From the time that it was, I was there, his present. And now the Lord God, Father, and his Spirit have sent me. Yeah. Well, we see this again in the commissioning of our Lord Jesus Christ. You know, the Father is speaking. This is my beloved Son. The Holy Spirit is descending upon him, and he's being sent. For God so loved the world that he gave or sent mm -hmm. his only begotten Son. So as you start, as we start to put these together, uh, the Trinity becomes more revealed in the pages of Scripture. And again, do we fully understand it? Do we completely understand these mysteries? Probably not, any more than we can completely understand eternity. Or how can God not have a beginning or an end? You know, like a circle. He, right. he, he's, he's eternal. Yeah. And, and for us finite human beings living on this planet for 80, 90, 100 years, that's difficult for us. But the Bible clearly declares that God is eternal. So we don't have a problem with that and believing that. And so as we, as we go back into this, there's several things that we have to look at. It, it, some things in Scripture might be difficult for human comprehension, but nevertheless they're true. For example, Jesus was fully divine. We're going to look at his deity, but he's fully human. You know, and somebody yeah. says, well, how can that be? Well, it says in the Old Testament that God of Israel neither slumbers nor sleeps, right? But here we see Jesus sleeping in the, in the boat as it goes across Galilee. That does not mean he's not God, you see, because he slumbers. Yeah. It yeah. simply means in his humanity, he slept, he got hungry, he, he wept at the, at the, you know, he felt the pain uh, of the scourging and the nails. That go. So right. when people don't understand his deity, eternality, uh, and his humanity, there can be confusion. Um, there can also be confusion with uh, all scriptures given by inspiration of God. Every word of the scriptures is God breathed, but it's all written down by men. So right. John is different than Paul, and Paul is different than Isaiah, mm -hmm. but every word is dictated by God, inspired of God. So how do you, you hold these two things in tension, if I can say that? You see that all through the scripture. Uh, God is not willing that any should perish. No man come to the Father unless my Father draw him. Yet there is personal decision involved in our salvation. So in our salvation, we see the sovereignty of God and the free will of men. And you, if you go one side too far, if you jump off this side of the horse, and then you can jump off the other, people get into confusion or error when they go totally to the one side or totally the other. Jesus is just a man, he's not God. Well, then there's a lot of scriptures that don't fit. Or Jesus is fully God and not fully man. Well, that doesn't fit either, you see. And so you get these kind of issues when you study the scripture. And how do you resolve it? You hold these things in a certain amount of uh, what I call tension or suspension. They, You see what they're saying. I may not fully understand it, but I see what the Bible is declaring. The Bible clearly declares. For me, the starting point is the deity of Jesus. Once you've established the deity of Jesus, then the doctrine of the Trinity starts making more and more sense. So maybe we'll look at that where people have a difficult time understanding the deity of Jesus. And of course, we just looked at it in John chapter 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. It will go on to say that he is the creator of all things. Well, the Old Testament says God is the creator of all things. It'll also say that... Jesus, uh, in, his, in his deity, when he comes, he predates. You know, he, he, he says in John chapter 17, glorify me with the glory I had with you 
before the beginning of the world. In other words, he's with the Father all through eternity. So when we see these kind of things, that's where when people, when they study the scripture, you have to understand in a Jewish setting, when he came, what he's saying, like in John chapter 8, when he says, before Abraham was, I am. Uh, that is a very serious statement he is making there. And of course, in the 20, 20 what are we, in the 21st century here, uh, we not fully comprehend what, what our Lord is saying here, but he's basically saying was he's eternal. He predates Abraham. And as a result of this, uh, they want to pick up stones and, and stone him because it says, you being a man, uh, they even say he has a demon. It says in verse 48, then the Jews answered and said to him, do we not rightly say that you are a Samaritan and have a demon? They're calling him by the worst words. You're a Samaritan oh, yeah. and have a demon. Yeah. And he said, I do not have a demon. He says, and, and, and he says, then the Jews said to him, now we know that you have a demon. Abraham is dead in the prophets. And you say, uh, if, if anyone keeps my word, he shall never taste death. And so he's, he's revealing things to him. And they're saying, uh, how can this be? You see, you're, yeah. you're making, you being a man are making yourselves to be God. Same thing in John chapter 10. So where people make an error oftentimes and understand the deity of Christ, they don't understand who he's speaking to, when he's speaking to, and, the, and the, how bold or, uh, how can I say, it, audacious his words are, unless indeed he is God come in the flesh. So that's, that's where we're standing uh, with this thing. And so... As, as we go back and forth into the scriptures, we'll see that Jesus is declaring deity. He, he's declaring it through his works. You know, he's got power over the demonic. He's got power over death. He's got power over disease. He's got power over nature. He can calm the storm. He can settle the waves. But he's also got the power to predict the future. You know, he says, hey, I'm going to tell you these things before they happen. After they happen, you might believe that I am he. So, again... We're unfolding the fact that Jesus is truly God. Yeah. You know, Jan, just to extend what, what you were talking about there in James 2, uh, 17 through 22 in the New International Version, in the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, it is dead. But someone will say, you have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith by my deeds. You believe that there is one God good even the demons believe that and shudder you foolish person do you want evidence that faith without deeds is useless was not our father Abraham considered righteous for what he did when he offered his son Isaac on the altar you see that his faith and his actions were working together and his faith was made complete by what he did so you know I, I was thinking about this John and I thought about you know if I was Abraham I never saw God per se. Mm -hmm. he, you know, he was God would talk to him, but then the faith he had to keep moving and to take his son up to the mount to sacrifice him. Mm -hmm. You know, to me, and we talked about this in the car. When you are struggling in life, there are times where you just have to move. Your faith has to drive your steps, and it's a lot like reading the Bible and trying to ascertain between you know, a, a lot of these Trinity questions that come up. Do you believe that Jesus is the Son of God? And if you do, you take that faith and you move forward with it. And in terms of, you know, the way I'm looking at it now, that there are things that I question, you know, why did they write it that way? But when I look at the whole thing and I embrace my faith, I guess my internals tell me that I'm on the right path. 
and you know that I believe Jesus is the Son of God, that the Trinity is what it is, and I am not going to fully understand it until I get to the pearly gates. Yeah, I think you bring up a good point, David. Jesus says in John chapter 7, verse 17, If you will continue in this doctrine, these teachings I've just taught you, Jesus says, you will know that it's from God. You'll know it. You know, and he'll then of course why quite honestly, why some people have difficult time with these truths, if you don't have the Holy Spirit, it says in First Corinthians chapter two, that the natural man, that is to say the man that does not have the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, he cannot understand spiritual things. Before I was a Christian, I could not understand this Bible. I really couldn't. You yeah. know, I I understood. I lived in the Orient. I studied Buddhism. I could understand different uh, beliefs and philosophies and, and Eastern religions, but not the Bible. Once I, I came to Christ and received the Holy Spirit, First Corinthians chapter two, then my eyes are open. Then I have the Illuminator. Jesus says the Holy Spirit will come, and He, He's a person, will lead you into all truth. And then it started opening up. Yeah. And so I think why sometimes people on the outside looking in have a difficult time apprehending these truths: the deity of Jesus. Uh, his death, burial, resurrection, uh, the Trinity, all of these things. If you don't have the Holy Spirit, uh, it's the, the Bible clearly says it's the one book you have to know the author before you can understand the message. And John, you know, what you just said, I think when you and I were, you know, on, on our walk together, when you were uh, helping me, you know, we started on this walk, what, uh, four, four years ago or so. Mm -hmm. And, you know, basically you said, Dave, before you read the Bible, pray that the Holy Spirit comes into you and enlightens you. So is, is that a good way for people that are, are trying to figure out what you just said? How do, how do I get the Holy Spirit into my time as I'm reading the Bible? Well, first, how, how do I get the curtains to unveil themselves? Well, first and foremost, you have to be a believer. In other words, it says again in John chapter 1, Jesus came to his own, his own received him not. That was the nation of Israel. But the next verse says, but to as many as received him, to them he gave a power, the power to become a child of God. So chapter 3, he says to Nicodemus, a very religious, moral, educated man, you must be born again. In other words, Nicodemus had the natural birth, but he needed a spiritual birth. So that's true with all of us, David. We're all born into this world with a fallen nature. Yeah. We're dead in our... So we need to receive Christ. As many as receive him, he gives the Holy Spirit. And if, if a person does not want to believe upon him or receive him, he doesn't have the Holy Spirit. He can be extremely bright and well-educated. But spiritually, it says in 1 Corinthians 2, they're what's called the natural man. They don't have the Spirit. Mm. So that's how you receive the Holy Spirit. You turn on, repent, turn and then receive the free gift. That's the Christmas story. You receive the free gift of salvation. And Jesus says, the Bible is very clear. It says, if you don't have the Holy Spirit, you're none of his. You know, if you, you're just not. You can be yeah. very religious. You can go to yeah. church and get baptized 30 times over. But if you don't have the Holy Spirit of God, you're just religious. You don't have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. But to your point, once you have the Holy Spirit, it's, the psalmist says, uh, open my eyes, Lord, that I might behold wondrous things out of your word. You can pray that God will lead and guide. And again, yeah. Jesus says the Holy Spirit will guide you into all truth. He'll help explain and illuminate the, the, the Word of God to you. Yeah, yeah. because when I first started reading the Bible, it looked all like Swahili to mm -hmm. me. And uh, and then we started to talk, and I took seriously what you said, mm -hmm. that you know, praying for the Holy Spirit to come into my time as I spend reading the Bible and looking through these passages. And I got to tell you, John, at that point, the words looked like they went from Greek Swahili to English. And there's no other way for me to tell you that except 
that that's exactly what happened. Now, I still, there's so many things that is very hard for me to understand, but it's a lot easier now. Um, and to your point, if you don't embrace, I guess I'm trying to understand this for the listeners, if you don't embrace Jesus as the Son of God, um, is that, that, that's stopping the Holy Spirit if you don't take Jesus as your That's Lord. everything. That's okay. your first step. So, so that's part of this, this formula here. Right? You've got to have it. talk about it a little more. That's why you'll have really bright people, PhDs, um, Richard Dawkins, uh, Hitchens, uh, Sam Harris, these famous atheists of today. But the Bible clearly says the preaching of the gospel is foolishness to those that are perishing. Okay, it's a, it's a joke. It's, it doesn't yeah. make sense, like you say before. I, it didn't make sense to me. But once you have the Holy Spirit, you receive the Holy Spirit. How? Well, what they say in the day of Pentecost after Peter preached, he says, believe upon the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. If you will believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead and confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ, you are born again. That's the critical issue. Now, after that, you pray, you ask for God's wisdom, knowledge, understanding, discernment. You put yourself under good teachers, good pastors, self-study. But then it starts opening up. And that's why, because I travel and, and deal with people from very different backgrounds, Muslim or Buddhist or Jehovah Witness, they want to try to understand principles of the deity of Christ or the Trinity or God's uh, infinite nature, eternal nature. Well, you can explain it to them to a degree, but... <laughs> Ultimately, they need the Holy Spirit to illuminate that yeah. to them. Otherwise, yeah. they're on the outside looking in. It's right. like you're in a right. uh, display window, you know, at Christmas time, looking in at everything that's being displayed. You can't access yeah. it until you have the Holy Spirit. But, you know, and, and, and to extend that, John, um, I was doing some work again with J. Warren Wallace, the guy who wrote the book Cold Case that you put me onto. And in it, he writes why the Trinity is so important in the first place. It is certainly true that according to the claims of Christianity, salvation actually requires the triune God of the Bible. As believers, our redemption is originated by the Father, Galatians 4.4, achieved through his Son, 1 Peter 3.18, and then applied by the Spirit, Titus 3.5. Every member of the Trinity has a role to play, but there are a few other reasons why the Trinity is important to those of us who call ourselves Christians. Yeah, that's a good so point. So to me, that tied it all in for me. I never was able to articulate how that worked. Yeah, you'll see that. You'll yeah. see the Holy Spirit, Jesus, God in creation, where it says the earth was void and formless and the Holy, the Spirit of God hovered upon it. You'll see it in the new creation, where the fact that God sent his son, Jesus died for us, that we might have forgiveness of sin, but then he says, I must go away that the Holy Spirit may come to indwell you. So right. you see the Trinity yeah. involved in creation. Yes. You'll see it involved in prayer, intercession. We pray to the Father, Jesus said, yeah. but we pray in the name and the authority of Jesus uh, as we're guided by the Holy Spirit. You'll see that in Romans chapter 8. Yeah. So you'll see these three persons working in concert in relationship. God is one, but there is diversity or complexity within that oneness. Yeah, and you know, John, I, I like this. Uh, I had some information that all three are all-powerful creator. For the Holy Spirit, uh, Job 33, 4, it, it says, The Spirit of God has made me, and the breath of the Almighty gives me life. Right, right. There so, you go. Th th there you go. Th that's how it tied into what we were just talking yes, about. Stuff yes. like that is really helpful for me. Yeah. When I look at it that way. Well, let's look at Isaiah for a minute. I just okay. want to look at a couple of passages, then we'll swing over to the New Testament. If you look at Isaiah chapter 41, um, 
Isaiah chapter 41 and verse 4. Isaiah chapter 41, verse 4. Um, you okay, you see it. that? Okay, if you read that, David. Who hath wrought and done it, calling the generations from the beginning, I the Lord, the first, and with the last, I am he. Okay, see that title, first yeah. and last? That's mm. that's like Alpha and the Omega. Right. Stay in Isaiah and just turn over to 44 and um, look at verse um, 6. Look at verse 6 and 7, if you would. Okay, hang on a second. I'm on the computer with it, so give me a second. No problem. Um, okay, so 44, 6, and 7. This is what the Lord says. Israel's King and Redeemer, the Lord Almighty. I am the first and I am the last. Apart from me there is no God. Who then is like me? Let him proclaim it. Let him declare and lay out before me what has happened since I established my ancient people and what is yet to come. Yes, let them foretell what will come. You see, a lot is contained in these two yeah. verses. One, king of Israel. Remember our Lord in <clears throat> kingship. Redeemer, that means the one who's purchased back. Re to redeem something is to mm. purchase back. Jesus does that with his Lord of hosts. I am the what? The first, first and the last. Besides me, there's no God. <laughs> so God in singularity. Uh, and then he talks about the fact he can proclaim things before they happen. Only God can do that because he's out of space and time. Okay, you see this idea of God is yeah. the first and the last. Okay, let's turn to Revelation now. Just remember that. Revelation, let's look at the book of Revelation. Right. Last right. book of the Bible, uh, chapter 1. Okay. Okay, let's look at the last. And um, look at, um, let's look at uh, chapter 1, verse 17. Okay. Revelation, I'm ready. chapter 1, verse 17. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. Then he placed his right hand on me and said, Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. Okay, hold on. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You see this? Tying right. in with Isaiah. Only God can have that title. Now what does he say in verse 18? I am the living one. I was dead and now look. I am alive forever and ever. And I hold the keys of death and Hades. See, there should be no confusion here. When was God... He says, I am alive, but I was dead. Now I hold it. He's the first and the last. Yeah. So here's, here's, here's the issue. People that can't see the Trinity or can't see the deity of Jesus Christ, they're not comparing Scripture with Scripture. They're, if it clearly declares in Isaiah, 600 years before the coming of Jesus Christ, that God is called the first and the last, there's no other God beside him, then when you come to Revelation and Jesus, we know this is Jesus, he says, do not be afraid, I am the first and the last. So you're left with a dilemma. Either you've got to break the scripture and say that's not what he said, or it's wrong, or it's not, or you've got to say, you know what, I may not fully understand this all, but I'll tell you what, that's God in Isaiah, this is God's title, Jesus is taking it on himself. Yeah, that, he, that is powerful, John. And he'll do it again. I mean, you see this yeah. repeated. Look at chapter 2 of Revelation, since we're there. Okay, look at right. chapter 2, look at verse 8. Oh, in Revelation? Revelation, one? stay with Revelation. Okay, and you want to go to chapter 2? Chapter 2 and verse 8. All right, hold on a second. If you have it, go ahead. Okay. Jesus says, And to the angel of the church at Smyrna, write these things, says the first and the last, who was dead and who came to life. There's his death and resurrection. You understand? Yeah. Clearly, this is Jesus. Now, if it just said, uh, uh, I am the first and the last, and it doesn't specify I was dead now, you can say, well, that's just God speaking to the God, Apostle John. Mm -hmm. It can't be. Because Jesus clearly identifies with it. Same thing at the end of the book of Revelation. 
where in uh, Revelation chapter 22, um, verse 13, Revelation chapter 2, verse 13, uh-huh. okay, I got it. Or, or verse 12 and 13. Okay. Look, I am coming soon. My reward is with me, and I will give to each person according to what they have done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Blessed are those who wash their robes, that they may have the right to the tree of life and may go through the gates into the city. You see, again, at the oh, end of it, he's declaring himself the title from Isaiah. But here we see, remember in Isaiah, it said, I'm the, Alpha, I'm the Redeemer. Yeah. <laughs> Redeemer, what, what, what's the redemption right. price? The blood Man. that we washed yes. our robes in. Oh, so, again, as we look at the full sweep of the scripture, what's it saying to us? It doesn't matter what you say. It doesn't matter what I say. A Jehovah Witness, a Mormon, a, I don't care what. But what is the word of God saying? Jesus, and we're going to yeah, look at yeah. all through church history, right. Catholic, Orthodox, Protestant. They all agree on this idea of the deity of Jesus Christ and the Trinity. And one of the days, one of the ways we identify a cult is a number one. What do they say about the deity of Jesus? Number two about the Trinity. We'll pick up that. We'll take a short break with a song. And we'll pick that up on the other side. Thank you. Welcome back. This is John Murtha with eighty nine point one FM radio coming to you from Lorain, Ohio. And this morning we're talking about the Trinity, and of course we're looking at the deity of Jesus Christ as we approach the Christmas season. And of course Christmas is all about the Incarnation, as it says in the Gospel of John. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And then it will say, and the Word became flesh and dwelt amongst us. And that idea of God dwelling with us, Emmanuel... It, that really runs, David, from the Old Testament to the New Testament yeah. because we see that when God got his people out of slavery, out of Egypt, he'll say to Moses in, in chapter 25 of Exodus, now build me a tabernacle or a tent dwelling. I'm going to dwell with you. So it's not out of character for God to come down and dwell on this earth. And he does that in the Holy of Holies, in the tabernacle. And of course, once they get into the promised land, they no longer need a tent tabernacle. They have a beautiful structure yeah. made out of masonry and stone that Solomon builds. But the idea that God dwells, that some people have a hard time with the idea that God could dwell on this earth in a structure. He can dwell, actually, he's in the burning bush when Moses, he confronts Moses. Yeah, right. And he speaks out of yeah. it. So the bush, the tabernacle, the temple, and as you come into the New Testament, he dwells in human flesh. The word became flesh and dwelt amongst yeah. us. So you see the consistency and it's not mysterious or it's not even uh, encrypted. It's rather clear once you follow that through and that's why it'll say in Titus it says we as Christians in verse 13, second chapter of Titus, we're looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of what? Our great God and Savior Jesus Christ. See Jesus mm -hmm. is not only called our Savior it also talks about him appearing, coming back but it calls him the great God, our great God. Well, again, you cannot, you cannot mince this or, or, or say Jesus is not God. Now, we could say, I don't fully understand how, how God the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, but nevertheless, does the Bible declare it? Does it reveal it? Yes, David. Yeah, so one of the questions, of, you know, we've gotten some questions from the listeners that we get uh, when the show is off the air, John. And uh, if, if you look at John 14... 8 9 where Philip said to Jesus Lord show us the father and it is enough for us Jesus said to him I have been with you so long and you still do not know me Philip 
whoever has seen me has seen the Father. So, um, you know, why do you think Jesus, uh, you know, says that, you know, claims to be the first person of the Trinity? You know, could you talk about that? It was just in line with what you were saying. Well, Jesus is the visible representation of God. It says in Colossians chapter 1, verse 15, He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. By him all things were created. So here we see that nobody has seen the Father. He's spirit, okay? But Jesus has revealed him. That's why he'll say in the Gospel of John, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Well, you've seen the perfect attributes of the Father in terms of love, mercy, holiness, righteousness. All of these things yes. are personified in the Son. Why? Because the Son, you ever hear the, the expression, he's a chip off the block, or yeah. like like uh, father, like yes. son? Yeah, well, the The son of a wolf right. is what? A wolf. Right. right. So the Son of God is God by nature. He, yeah, I like so that. there he's fully expressed uh, the, the, the God. Yeah. <laughs> it's hard to put into words, but he is God come in the flesh. Yeah. And therefore, if you see him, You've seen the Father. I like that. You see, yeah. that's the beauty. Of course, what Jesus wants to do through his death, burial, resurrection is reunite us with our Father. That's why he says, when you pray, pray our Father. You know, Jesus never says our Father. He says my Father. When he, it's his relationship to the Father. But to understand that the God the Father so loved the world, he sent his only begotten Son to die for us, to be buried, to rise, to ascend, that he might send the Holy Spirit, that we might become the dwelling place of God. Father, Son, the Holy Spirit, all are connected, and it benefits us today, this day in December of the year 27, to know if you accepted Jesus Christ, you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. There's the Trinity involved in that. It's beautiful. Yeah, and, and John, I, I think when the light bulb went off for me, again, when you and I first started talking, I, I kind of thought you were a little bit out there, in mm. the sense that, you know, the way you, you were having me review the Bible and what I needed to be open to... And now it's just unbelievable the um, the way I look at it. I mean, if it, it's it, it, this really is the only book you will ever need in your life, mm -hmm. and I, I really believe that. And I never knew that before. But after we take Jesus as our Lord and Savior, the thing that got me to go through the roof is the fact that we become the sons and daughters of God. Right. That that we then you know we transfer over that line. We transfer over that fence into a new doorway that I never thought was possible. Exactly right. That 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 is the key. Yeah. See, all other religious teachers basically came to give information, whether it's in Buddhism or Islam or whatever. They give information. You know, some of it's inspired. I mean, that is to say, to help you live a moral life. Right. Jesus comes to give transformation. He gives information in the parables and his teeth, but he comes to live, to die, to be buried. That's, that's altogether different than the, the Buddha or Muhammad or Joseph Smith. It's altogether different. Why? Because he has personal application in your life and my life. When we appropriate his death, burial, and resurrection, and we become the temple of the Holy Spirit, game on. Everything has changed, David. Everything has changed. And yeah. that can only be done through the operation and ministry of the Trinity. And, you know, and, and one of the things that, uh, um, that I'm finding is some of the character traits that Christ had, you know, humble, uh, showing love, peaceful, compassion, that those are things that I had very little quantities of. Mm -hmm. And since I've become a believer, I'm getting more and more of those things, and I'm pushing all the other stuff away where I used to run people over if I didn't get what I wanted, um, you know, uh, bad language, uh, treating people like they were, 
you know, just for whatever I needed moving forward. Um, now it's different. I, I can't explain it other than to tell you that there is that moral compass now, which is heightened. And, and if I go against it, the voice in my head keeps saying, wait a minute, what did you just do? And so, again, that's a transformation. And the reason I'm bringing that up, even though we're talking about the Trinity, but it's, it's the fact that Jesus is the Son of God, and that's how it all ties for me. And now that I understand that, and I know now that I'm transferring over is a Son of God, too, we're part of the family now. We gotta act differently and look differently. Yeah, because of your nature. You yeah. got new DNA. Right. Right. Exactly. That's the exciting part, as much as it is a massive challenge. Not only that, but now you have you are spiritually resourced to help people. Yes. You know, it was starting with your family, but now we have a message. We have life to share with people that don't have life, and that's that's why we're called ambassadors. You know, we, we are representatives of Christ. You're a lit candle now. You can go out in the world of unlit candles, and as you share the gospel, you can see people's candles being lit. You're not going to lose none of the flame of your own. But to have that ability, it doesn't matter your position in life. I don't care if you're a a maintenance man or a doctor Mm -hmm. or a salesman or an engineer or or a student in high school or like your son Tristan in junior high high school. You have the capacity now to give something to people you didn't have before, and you can change their life and their eternity. Yeah, that, that's that. That is a, a mind blower. I just want to show you how this. Uh, if you go to John chapter fourteen, uh, and, and which verse are you in? John? Uh, uh, the Gospel of John chapter fourteen. I'm yeah. just going to look at a couple uh, okay. just in a minute. Uh, this is where Jesus is 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 talking about uh, the Holy Spirit and how the Holy. He's going to give. He talks a lot about here about the Trinity. Actually, um, he he says uh, verse sixteen. And I will pray the Father, and He, this is Jesus praying to the Father, and He will give you another helper that He might, He, personal, the Holy Spirit is not a force, it's a person, He might abide with you forever. Verse 17, the Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees Him nor knows Him, but you know Him for He dwells with you and He will be in you. Yeah. See, he yes. now he was upon the apostles. Yeah, trans, transformation. But after yeah. the crucifixion and resurrection, he will dwell in you. Mm. Notice that's the Holy Spirit, right? Yeah. But look what he says in verse 23, if you'd read that, David. Sure. Jesus replied, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them, and we will come to them and make our home with them. Who did Holy he say in the previous smoke. verse? Yeah, he right. said the Holy Spirit's coming. Right. Now who's he saying? The Father. And, and who? And himself. In a yeah. sometime mysterious yeah, so way. The Trinity. So if yeah. <laughs> we can't fathom all this, no. you see. But the key does God's word declare it. That's what I that's what I keep going back to, David. Because we can't totally comprehend something, does that mean we cannot apprehend it? Can well, we not hold it? Now here's an interesting thing, John. So if we go on to twenty four, anyone who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. So, uh, you know, I, I guess that's really interesting to hear him say that because we're, now we're talking about they're all one God. Yeah. It's almost like, he not that he doesn't understand them, but he's saying that they didn't come from him. I can't explain it to you. I, I don't know. Could you go into that a little well, bit? Well, what he's showing is, here's yeah. the thing. The Father is not the Son. The Son is not the Holy Spirit. They, they in, in relationship... They're different, but it's a singular God. So he might say that about the word of God there, but in Matthew 25, he'll say, heaven and earth shall pass away, but 
my word shall wow. endure forever. So see, then, he yeah. clips it back on oh, himself. Wow. Just like okay. he'll say in Matthew chapter 13, when yeah. he breaks the Sabbath, at least the Jews thought he was breaking the Sabbath, he declares himself to be Lord of the Sabbath. Yeah, well, is, the yeah. Jewish people, that was so important to Sabbath. They knew God instituted the Sabbath. On the sixth day, he says, the seventh day shall be. That was in, why, how can Jesus call himself the Lord of the Sabbath? Unless he's the Lord of the yeah. God. So, again. Yeah, they flip. Um, so, I, I guess, you know what that helps me with when I'm talking to some other people? Is if I just took that verse in isolation, I would be confused. That's the key. Right. And so, I, I think it's important. You know, we talked about that before. And what's been a big help to me is obviously having you next to me. But having the ability to line up the Old and the New Testament where I can cross-reference uh, the things that are driving my faith walking forward. When I take a verse like that out of isolation, I would be confused. That's exactly right. Here it is, David. And it was what Paul calls the whole counsel of God. You have to take God's redemptive story. It's, it's, it's the, the, What's interesting about the Bible, from Genesis to Revelation, it's a singular story. It's God's... You start with creation, then you have the fall, and at the end of the book, you got recreation, God restored. We're in the redemptive cycle now, right? God is redeeming us. But you're right. When you look at this, the early church understood this all through church history. Like I said, Catholic, Orthodox, Protestant, they all understood this thing about the deity of Christ and the Trinity, and they would have to guard it against heresies. For example, in about the year 300 years be, before, at, at the start of Christianity, about 300, there was a man named Arius, and he came and says, Jesus is not God. He's a lesser God, almost like an angel. And that was the doctrine of the heresy of Arianism. You'll see this today in Jehovah Witness. They'll say, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was a God. Sing, uh, you see yeah, lower. Okay. Uh, they'll yeah. actually think he's Michael the Archangel. So you see this angel. Another one will say there's three gods. There's you know there there's there's sep, you know three mini gods if mm -hmm. you will. That's you'll find that in Mormonism, okay. Then you'll find others that will deny him altogether, like he was just a leather or mythology. You'll see this in, in different teachings. Say what I'm getting at is all through history, again, Christendom, Catholic, Orthodox, Protestant. You know, they'll all look at this and they'll say they'll affirm the deity of Jesus Christ, which makes it more explainable, understandable when you insert that key. So it turns the lock. You go, yeah, okay. I don't, do I fully understand the Trinity? No. Does the Bible explain the Trinity? Yes. So do you understand that? Yes. And that was uh -huh. the guard or the shield against heresies. If somebody came and said that, like there's one ancient heresy that said, look, they considered matter or the physical evil and the spirit good. They said. God could not come down and dwell in flesh and walk in this fallen world. He was just pure spirit. It's called docetism. And so right away, the early church, and it will later be Gnosticism, they would knew that was wrong because Jesus came in the, God came in the flesh. It says that in first. And so once you understand it, it's like a sword. You can cut through the arguments, the heresies. Uh, it's It happened in the first century. It's happening today. You know, I was in... Uh, I was looking at National Geographic. This issue, this December, it says the real Jesus. Another one says a search for the real Jesus or how Jesus became the Christ, on and on and on. Well, if you look to human sources and human logic or reason, you come up with all these explanations of who Jesus is. He's a great teacher. He's a zealot. He's a guru. He's an ascended master, blah, blah, blah. Is But I want to know, what does the Bible says? In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And the Word became flesh. And 
that's it. I mean, now, do the pages of Scripture confirm that? Yeah. And we've been looking on and on uh, through this. And again, as you look at the Scripture, you'll see that uh, when Jesus says, look, he says in, 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 in Matthew, when he's on trial, uh, and they come before him, and they're saying to him, uh, are you the Christ? Uh, in other words, are you the, uh, or, or is there going to be another? Um, uh, if you look at John, uh, Matthew chapter 22, uh, this is where he's being questioned. And if you look at verse 41, uh, 41 uh, through 40, through 40, 45. I have it. Okay, just read that. Okay. While the Pharisees were gathered together, Jesus asked them, What do you think about the Messiah? Whose son is he? The son of David, they replied. He said to them, How is it then that David, speaking by the Spirit, calls him Lord? For he says, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I put your enemies under your feet. In verse 45. If then David calls him Lord, how can he be his son? Look at their response. No one could say a word in reply. And from that day on, no one dared to ask him any more questions. Do you see what he's saying here? <laughs> yeah. This is this is loaded. Yeah. He's playing chess with them. <laughs> oh, yeah. He, they want to trick him. But he says, okay, let me ask you a question. <laughs> yeah. What do you think about uh, uh, Christ, the Messiah? Whose son is he? They knew the Messiah was going to come from the line of David because he was going to be kingly from the tribe of Judah. And he says, okay. And he says, then how does David, in the, in the psalm, it's Psalm 110, in the spirit call it. Now, there's not David's idea. This is the Holy Spirit inspiring. How does he call him Lord, Kyrios? That's a, the that's a title of God. The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool. In other words, God said to God. You see what he's saying? The Lord said to the Lord. He said, "Who? How can the Christ be a descendant of David, but be an eternity past, where God says the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand? If David then calls him Lord, how is he his son? How can he predate David, but yet be a descendant yeah, of David? Right. Unless he's God right. come in the flesh. Yes. And that's why they can't well, answer that, him. That is. That's something else, Jim. And that's what people got to deal yeah. with today, David. Yeah, I never if, looked at the verse that way. If, if they don't think he's God, uh, then you got to deal with these issues in the Old Testament where it got, he clear. And because he said this, it says nobody could answer him. They checkmated. He was checkmated. Uh, they were checkmated. And they wouldn't ask. They said after that, they're not going to ask him another question. <laughs> well, well, they can't because yeah. he, he's, 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 wow. he's dealt a, a blow to them. It's, it's kind of like where humankind is today uh we don't have much longer but as you go into this christmas season you got to look at this idea you know all around the world people are celebrating christmas when i lived in thailand and bangkok they used to put up to did they know what christmas is about no that's why missionaries are sent to those parts of the world but there's this idea why is it of all the people that ever lived on this planet famous inventors and napoleons and the caesars and the Mahatma Gandhi's and Einstein. Why is it that this man, we celebrate his birthday? Why is our calendar dated from his birthday? This is not should be. He's a 33-year-old yeah. itinerant carpenter preacher right. on the backside of the Roman Empire in a yeah. little podunk place called the, 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 north, the northern shores of Galilee. 
lives, we have a three year window on his life. He, he gets 12 men around him. We would never pick if we were starting a business, let alone an international business. He dies a criminal's death. Yeah. Why 2,000 years later, people are willing to lay down their life for him? Right. Why are they willing to give up stuff to go to distant lands for him? Why are drunkards made sober, impure people made pure? Why, why, you know, why do yeah. they do that? Why is his influence rippled all through the... Because is he God come in the flesh? Yeah. Did he change the whole dynamic? Did he upset all the tables of our understanding? Yeah. It's as simple or it's as complicated as that. God became flesh and dwelt amongst us. Yes. The incarnation. Yeah. Amen. Did you have any more, David? I know several no, that, people I, have I asked think that's questions. A, you, know, the, the, um, you know, just in terms of a point to rest on, I, I think this quote is it. I mean, it, it is really a nice way to end this series and um, especially going into the holiday season um, but I know when we were in the car we were talking about the fact we could do a show on this for the entire year this there, there is year. so much information especially when you line up all the different scriptures but uh, and we'll talk about that maybe next year and if we want to pick up some other aspects of this yeah and we'll have guests on because I want people to be familiar with the fact that if somebody comes knocking on your door on a Saturday morning and they want to give you pamphlets and all this stuff, but they want to tell you that Jesus isn't God, that you can, in a nice, friendly way, say, let's look at the Scripture. What does the Scripture say? You know, And, and we should be prepared. It says that in, in 1 Peter, that we should sanctify the Lord God in our hearts and always be ready to give an answer to everybody that asks a reason for the hope that we have. And not to be critical of other people that don't understand, but be kind of, oh, I'm sorry, be yeah. kind of gentle and try to lead them in the way. Yeah. Because there was a time I didn't know. This. Oh. You know, you didn't know this well, Look stuff. at me, yeah. I mean, yeah. But as God opened up, right. the, the key, though, is you have to have the Holy Spirit of God. And yes. So many people I encounter in my travels, they want to understand really profound, deep mysteries of the faith, but they don't have the Holy Spirit of God. So you, you can't teach them calculus if they don't know arithmetic. You know, I mean, you just can't yeah. start with well, these high levels. Yeah. you got to get them in the door. you got to... Yeah. But, but, John, I think, again, the key is um, to, to pray. But before you read the Bible, pray for yourself. Have people pray for you that, that you become enlightened and that the Holy Spirit will, will unveil, open the curtains so that you can see that point. And after I did that, based on your direction, it was a game changer for me. Yeah. It was a game changer for me. Yeah. So that there you have it. And then, like I said, next week, Mike Shinigal, God willing, will be here. But he'll be and alone. You and I won't be we joining won't be him here. on that show. And he'll delve in deeper into the, the fine details of uh, why we believe what we believe, especially with manuscript evidence and Old Testament prophetic uh, truths that come forth. But again, um, we encourage people to call in. Uh, this is uh, 89.1. Uh, this year is coming to a close rapidly. We ask everyone to pray for the station. Uh, that it can be used for a platform to get yes. God's word yeah. out, to make yeah. disciples, to uh, extend the kingdom of God. Thank you again, Mark, uh, Thanks, for heading Mark. up the show yeah. and, and being you, the, the engineer. Yes, and uh, God bless all of you out there. And as we go into this Christmas season, we just pray that you all have a blessed Christmas and a, and a year, new year. Uh, thank you, David. Thank you. Bye. Have a good weekend.